welcome back to They Made Another One, where each week we discuss an often forgotten installment in a franchise and see if you should check it out for yourself. I'm one of your hosts, Corey, and with me I've got Liam. Hello. And returning from what could really only be described as a cameo appearance in last week's episode, we have Mitch making a triumphant return. Wow. You've been practicing that? Well, this is the third time I've done it. We've restarted it a few times. <laughs> uh, I'll have you know it's the second time you've done it. No, I but did I- it once off camera. <laughs> off, off mic. Well, yeah. in any case, it sounds good. It had a lot of detail and timber and depth and pace. Con- considerably better than the other times. It Listeners was a lot are better. getting the best of it. Yeah, you guys. three times the charm, it turns out, with our intros and Mitch's brains and, um, you know... It's very nice that you compliment me for my brain. You're not the only person who has. <laughs> I'm excited that you're here. Um, not just for your brains, but because uh, we're talking about the man, the myth, the legend, George Romero. And people already know what we think about George Romero. We watched Diary of the Dead a couple months ago. I don't really remember specifically when it was, but we checked that out. So we got our whole zombie oof and his non-zombie oof, and we kind of got all that out there. And... Um, now we get to hear what your take is, which I think is exciting because, um, A, it's just a mystery to us, and B, the movie that we're talking about today I think will be really interesting regardless, but especially if you end up having like really strong feelings about his other movies, it could be an interesting mix because this is um, Night of the Living Dead 1990, which is a remake that George Romero wrote based on the original screenplay and is directed by Tom Savini which is so powerful. I didn't know this movie existed and uh, just getting the boys back together. Oh man. A remake of their own movie. That's fucking cool as hell. Yeah. Super cool idea. I mean, I will this be our first time directly talking about Tom Savini is the question. I feel directly, like indirectly probably. spoken about. Yeah, him, yeah. He's probably come up, but this is, I think the first time we'll be talking about his actual work. Yeah, so um, this is a big time episode. A lot of guys going on, but we got to hear what Mitch thinks about a lot of Romero. guys being dudes. Yeah, but real quick, I'll I'll just finish off the uh, the cast and crew stuff. I've already started. We've got directed by Tom Savini, written by George Romero, based on a screenplay written by George Romero and John Russo. Cinematography is by Frank Prinzi, um, who also did Trumbo. People remember Trumbo. <laughs> um, I remember Trumbo. Trumbo yeah. was good. The editor is a uh, Tom Dubensky who uh, has done a lot of other documentary stuff, but he worked on Creepshow, Dawn of the Dead, uh, not as an editor, but just in other capacities. Um, and then the music is by Paul McCullough, who wrote the movie The Crazies, actually, which is just a funny connection, and then worked on uh, stuff like Santa Claus, uh, which John Russo also wrote, and that's C-L-A-W-S. To run down the cast of this movie, because it's fucking crazy. We've got Tony Todd, a.k.a. Candyman. Also, he's in The Man from Earth. Did that come up last time we talked about The Man from Earth? Yeah, it must have. I, I did know that, so yeah. And also, uh, we might see him again in Final Destination 3 or 5 or Beastmaster 3 if we ever do one of those. Mm-hmm. Or uh, uh, any of the Candyman sequels or mm. the new Candyman coming yeah. out this year. Tony Todd, you're, we got to get him on the podcast. Tony Todd's cool as shit. I um, like him. I really like him. And he's playing Ben. Uh, Patricia Tallman is playing Barbara. Uh, she was in Babylon 5. She was Laura Dern's stunt double in Jurassic Park. Uh, 
perhaps most importantly though she's in she's in Knight Riders my favorite George Romero movie and I'm gonna do my best to keep talking about that movie to a minimum uh and you guys are in luck because I did not have time to watch it in the end before uh this recording thank so god it's, it's not super fr- it's not as fresh in my mind as it could be but yeah Patricia Tallman is in that then we've got a Tony Tolls who you guys will be familiar with from the first Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer movie that I didn't watch. Oh, shoot. What? Mitch, did oh, you recognize yeah. him? Is, no, is, he, like, I, like, is he Otis? Yeah. Wow, I did not recognize him. Um, he's also in House of a Thousand Corpses. And then McKee hmm. Anderson is playing Helen, who is that character's wife. We have William Butler, who is playing Tom. He wrote uh, Ginger Dead Man versus Evil Bong and directed the music video for the Trixie Mattel song Mama Don't Make Me Put on the Dress Again. Man, we could we could do we could do an episode on at least one of those things. I'll let you guys figure out which one. Uh Katie Finneran uh plays Judy Rose. She's actually in Freaky. So Liam oh you'll probably have seen her recently. I, I don't Mitch saw that. But... No, you know, I haven't even seen that one yet. Oh, I, shit, I, okay. I really want to. Egg on my face. Um she was also in movie forty three. I have seen that one. (laughs) Uh, Bill Mosley is Johnny. Uh, He's also in House of a Thousand Corpses. Yeah. The Devil's Rejects. Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Then we got Heather Mazur as Sarah in an uncredited role for Russell Strainer as a sheriff. That's that's all the people we got to worry about. So, scene set. Mitch, I hand the microphone to you. If you're not eating or vaping or whatever else you do on this podcast. <laughs> no, and no. I, I'm, uh, I'm very well behaved on this podcast. <laughs> I had my lunch before. Thank you very much. Uh, just barely. Yeah, just barely. Just <laughs> so, I was still mucking on mute. Um, <laughs> mucking on mute should be the name of your like biography. <laughs> yeah, it's like my name of like, like my summer album of like cool acoustic <laughs> guitar songs. <laughs> so, uh, that are meant to be done like remotely because of the pandemic. Ice cold beer, mucking on mute. <laughs> a cover of It's Been a While by Stain. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Zigzags um, and Zoom calls. All uh, right. Yeah. Um, so, George Romero, you can talk about Night of the Living Dead. You can talk about his other shit. Whatever you want. Just, you know, what's your familiarity with his work? What's your familiarity with the movie this movie's based on? Mm. Stuff like that. Give us a rundown. Yeah, so uh, I'm a I'm a pretty big fan. Like I've seen a lot of his movies. He's not like my I don't like fetishize the work of George A. Romero like so many horror people do. But I really think that his horror movies are great because he he charges them with like either satire or like dark comedy, and so he's got like all these different things going on that are really interesting and contemplative. Like I adore Dawn of the Dead, and like. I, I watched that actually pretty recently and I saw Dario Argento's name pop up in the credits. I think he helped with the screenplay and I was like, what? Like he did that. So he's again, he's had just like a really rich collaboration with so many people that I, I enjoy. And I've seen a whole handful of his films, uh, like Dawn of the Dead, Day of the Dead. It's been like ages mm-hmm. since I saw the original Night of the Living Dead. So I probably won't be able to draw that many comparisons between this rendition and the older one because I haven't seen that since I was like in high school, like early high school or something. But I rewatched The Crazies and I saw Season of the Witch not long ago on the Criterion channel, which I really, really dug. Um, Night Riders is, is a, Thank you. a I was fun one. Ask. I had to drop it. I know you love it, Corey. <laughs> Um, did did Corey introduce you to that one? 
Yes, yeah, I had never. Of course, heard of it I did. Of course, he did. He was like, "Yo, you gotta see this." We were living together at the time, and uh, yeah, I had well, to pay bitch back somehow by making him sit down and watch a movie that's two and a half hours about <laughs> guys like Renaissance Fair. It's about so much more than that, though. Oh yeah, yeah. It was, it really <laughs> let me let me break it down for you. Real quick. Yeah, I was about to simplify it, then I stopped myself because it is. It is. Um, it's like the Fast and Furious. It's about family. Yeah, so I'm I'm like a fan of his work. Again, like not like the first kind of thing that I, I go to when I want to watch a movie, but I like his stuff. I think he's good. And so you had seen the original, just not lately. No. Did it like, leave much of an impression on you when you did see it? Mm, not really. Like I I uh I think that that kind of movie has been like done to death and like reanimated and then it comes back again much yeah. like the undead so mm. it it uh it Damn. didn't leave like a massive impression on me but um i i think like dawn of the dead definitely does and i, I find myself thinking about that movie fairly often is and, that the but, one where they're am i thinking a day of the dead or dawn of the dead where that man gets ripped apart in that like underground bunker and he's like screaming dawn of the dead that's the one day of the dead okay dawn yeah. of the dead is the one oh that one also seems tight that one rules. It's such yeah, like a great like criticism of like the consumerism of like the late seventies, like just kind of like the onset of like eighties consumerism, and it's it's a great critique of that, you know, with the shoppers being zombies and yeah. And we've talked about George Romero before, and we've had a chance to sort of discuss like how he does, I think, make a very strong effort in all of his work to get that some kind of commentary angle in there yeah definitely um, in the case not, of that it's not even especially subtle some like often which i'm personally fine with oh i'm fine um, with it too like mindless consumption in dawn of the dead when like compared to consumerism works great like it yeah. it's, it elevates it from just being like a normal sort of nasty uh horror from actually having something to say yeah uh we had a bit of a problem with some of what he had to say in diary of the dead but you know people can go listen to that episode i haven't seen that one so i don't know don't bother um (laughs) (laughs) it's it's found footage if you like that mitch it's it's his stab the found footage genre Hmm. i do like if you want george romero to have thoughts about like social media yeah before 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 youtube blew up and stuff too it's like what is it oh eight oh seven yeah an old man's rumination on social media. No thanks. It's definitely a little bit old man yells at cloud. Um, yeah. So Mitch, no wrong name. Two other people in this call. <laughs> I guess one of them is me. Whoops. So does that mean this by process of elimination, this is directed toward me? Uh, yes, that's correct. <laughs> Very good. I was going to say, uh, I know that we've talked a bit about your familiarity with Romero before, but I did want you to be the guy to give us a bit of an introduction to Tom Savini. Oh, sure. Um, so Tom Savini, he started off as a makeup artist, um, and that's that's what most people will remember him by. He worked on a lot of Romero films, like early, early stuff, like Martin, which is in 78. Dawn of the Dead was also 78. And then he, he kept going with Romero from there. So um, a lot of Romero films he was there for. And then he also did the makeup Including for... And he's an actor in Night Riders as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Amazing. Um, he, he acts in Dawn of the Dead too. He's the motorcycle guy with the switchblade comb. Yeah, he's got oh, a yeah? lot of he's got a yeah. lot of acting credits. 
That's yeah. so cool. Dawn of the Dead is is one that has always gotten away from me. I have yet to see it, and I, I really want to, especially because one of my favorite video games when I was a kid um, is called Dead Rising, and it was Love on it. Xbox 360, and it's just it's it's just a, a play yeah. on Dawn of the Dead, really. You're a guy in a mall, and there's a bunch of zombies. Oh my gosh, I played it so much, and I, I just uh, a few weeks ago ordered Dead Rising 2, which is a very old game, but I never really played that one when it came out, and so I'm going to give that a shot. So I'm, I'm big on the zombie kick right now, and uh, I'm happy that um, this came out uh, so I can double feature some video games and some yeah. Night of the Living Dead. But yeah, Tom Savini. He also did uh, makeup on big-time horror movies, slasher movies, like the first Friday the 13th. Um, so a lot of that iconic stuff in that movie, like the, the little arrow going through Kevin Bacon's neck, that was him. He did Maniac, The Burning, uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2. Um, and because of his affiliation with Romero, I guess, you know, they're friends, you gotta figure, uh, Romero wanted him to not not do the makeup effects on Night of the Living Dead, which I think he probably thought he was going to do, but he Romero suggested that he be the director, and so that's how he got this gig. I'm not sure if he did other stuff as a director, too. It looks like on his Wikipedia page, he did an, a segment in the Creepshow TV series, some segments and tales from the dark side, but and a segment in a show... A film called The Theater Bazaar, but this looks like it's his only uh is his only full feature. We've got kind of like a a horror who's who in a way for this. And uh they decided the thing to do was remake the most iconic film George Romero ever made. And that's a very bold thing to attempt to do and i know what you're wondering you're like huh why did they decide to do that did they just really feel compelled that we were really entering a new era in the late 80s into the 90s and that we needed to sort of update and recontextualize this work um did they just want to have a good time with the boys uh no it's mostly about rights and money from what i can gather uh george romero was in a bunch of legal battles over the rights to the original movie and essentially he didn't make like any money off of that. Um, and after a series of lawsuits, they just couldn't get money from the distributor or anything. Um, and then they got concerned that uh, someone would remake the film unauthorized because of all this rights confusion. So Romero went to the producer, Metahem Golan and was like, Hey, 20th century fox we want to be the people to remake it so somebody doesn't beat us to the punch and remake it first that is the reason this movie exists well uh you know if something like that is going to happen i mean it might as well happen with the filmmakers blessing and involvement and we have got remakes of night of the living dead since uh the one that i'm most familiar with despite having not seen is from like 2006 and it's called night of the living dead 3d um christ <laughs> and actually uh when we when we wheeled upon night of the living dead last week all i had written down was night of the living dead and so in my head that could have referred to the 3d one or the 1991 and so i decided on the fly that it was going to be 1990 but uh, maybe we'll talk about that 3d one later and see see what a remake of of night of the living dead is like uh when it's a bit more 
free uh that could that could be interesting too but um it is it is it is cool that just 22 years after the original we get a new one like to me night of the living dead feels like the like the oldest horror movie ever yeah made. it feels like, like it came out at the turn of the 20th century yeah <laughs> yeah before i had seen it it felt that way and now and even after i saw it like it feels older than psycho to me when i think about it um it just i i, I imagine it as coming out uh, like way prior to all these other movies and so the fact that uh, this remake came out in 1990 which seems very modern to me you know like any any horror movie that came out after the 80s i yeah, think of that it as came like out modern... pretty close to scream like... yeah yeah but still only 22 years after that's like that's like a movie from 1999 being remade now like that's like if they were to remake the house on haunted hill that we talked about again like <laughs> Uh, so that's not that long of a gap, but I, I think it's really cool that, you know, enough time had passed that it became a classic, but also not enough time had passed that the original people who had been involved in that movie were were gone or were uh, not interested in partaking. You know, I think it's really cool that Romero and Tom Savini, who, who uh, um, I read, missed out on doing the effects for that original movie. I don't know if that means that he knew Romero at the time and uh, it just didn't happen or if they didn't know each other, but he just means that, you know, he was a young guy and he would have liked to do it if the opportunity arose. I don't know. Yeah. But um, either way, it's it's really cool that you still kind of get this uh, sort of friend family uh, approach to this film, despite it being made by a large studio this time. It's cool that so many... Uh, people seem to be involved that that want to adhere to the original uh like spirit quickly i want to follow up on what you were just saying about the original movie because i'll say this again for anybody who doesn't know i still haven't seen the original night of the living dead um cool. not in full like i've seen you know iconic scenes because they just sort of permeate culture in a way that you stumble across them but what are what are those scenes Corey? out of curiosity uh they're coming to catch you barbara right um and I'm assuming it's probably the first time they break through like the barricade on the windows. I'm assuming that's what yeah. it is. Or, you um, know, just seeing them ambling around and, the tree line. Yeah. And when man, uh, Ben gets shot at the end. Spoilers. Oh, okay. <laughs> cool. Um, uh, but I gotta say, um, and I'm going to, I'm going to take umbrage with Roger Ebert later in this episode over this particular idea. Um, because, uh, spoilers, he did not like the movie we're about to talk about. But um, something that I feel like the first movie gets a lot of credit for, um, and it's deserved, is that it uh, felt genuinely scary, and it lent leaned rather into you know the striking black and white palette that it had on the shoestring budget, and made something that felt like sort of like cinema verite, real to life almost, but also pseudo documentary. Yeah. yeah, but also like just scary just well executed got under people's skin um like liam said earlier though that was before the tropes that movie laid out were beaten viciously into the ground over and over for decades um so i feel like it's difficult to go back to that initial movie and get the same response that you would have had you seen it sooner that's not to say that like every time you watch an old movie like it can't be effective in the way that it should be for example, like I find Night of the Hunter fucking scary as shit. And it's still 
managing to do what it wanted to do. But I feel like with Night of the Living Dead, because it's been so thoroughly picked clean that it's hard to have the same reverence for it now because it sort of exists as like a cultural shorthand rather than like an existing work. So I was curious to see an update just to see like, what, what do you do with that? How much do you even change? How much do you keep the same? That kind of thing. Um, and the plot is, uh, well, there are zombies and nobody knows why. And a few people end up in a house and they got to keep the zombies away. Arguments <laughs> ensue. It's nighttime. Um, it is. Uh, well, sometimes it's daytime. That's true. And, yeah. And why didn't they? Why didn't they talk about that in the title? Misleading. N- night, of the, <laughs> night and day of the living dead. <laughs> yeah. Twenty-four hours minimum of the living dead. You know, I'm pretty sure in that Day of the Dead movie, at some point, it was night as well. What's going on here? Bunch of frauds. Um. I yeah. That's. Should, I think this movie should be called that. You know. Gun-toting Republicans are worse than the hordes of the undead. <laughs> I think this movie should be called <laughs> What If We're the Real Monsters? What if? <laughs> All right. Uh, Mitch, I'll give you the honors. You said, and I quote, this fucking movie at about uh, 10 p.m. last night. <laughs> uh, what did you think about it? What was that in reference to? How do you <sighs> feel? So, I don't know. Throughout this movie, there's a lot of things that just make you roll your eyes. Um, And I think that's because, A, the source material, like you say, has been picked clean, like a zombie feasting on a ribcage. It's completely picked clean. And two, I find some of the performances kind of irksome and uh, sort of the interplay between the characters nonsensical. Like, there's sort of like the... I guess like the <laughs> like the horror stupidisms that I like to call them where it's pretty much just like oh like you're leaving the door open behind you when you're being pursued or like just like all these sort of um small things where you just kind of want to shout at the screen and uh this film is full of those sort of um like logical errors on parts of the character and I think part of that movie is its strength because you know there's like this the, the central conflicts between the characters are illogical and irrational, but um, which is all horror movies to be. Yeah. Fair. Which is all horror movies. <laughs> but I, I find this movie um, kind of particularly irritated me when I was watching it. So when I wrote that, it was mostly in response to just <laughs> all of that. But uh, yeah, I mean, I don't think it's a bad movie, but there, there are, uh, if you have like a, a short, temper span or if you're going in like it's cinema sins like you're gonna you're gonna count for the record anybody listening who goes into any movie and your brain is turned on like cinema sins fuck off yeah like (laughs) shut up and go away forever (laughs) yeah i mean like you do have to suspend your disbelief and and you know like just accept and go along for the ride but (laughs) i think i think that this movie i think to a degree i found it rather like grading on like my level of enjoyment but I did. I still like enjoyed the movie, um, but yeah. I can't. I gotta be honest. I can't tell how you feel about it at all based on what you just said. Like, well, I'm trying not to show my hand too much so we can have a discussion. I normally, I kill my. Hand. Normally, I kill my darling, so I'm being a bit. Okay, cryptic. well, okay, then it's Liam's turn now. <laughs> then, then Liam can go, and then we'll see if that changes the landscape at all. I'm being <laughs> aloof. Give me that talking stick, Mitch. You don't deserve it. Anymore. <laughs> 
Um, so coming into this one, I to remind people, I saw Night of the Living Dead, uh, nineteen sixty eight, for the first time uh, three years ago or so. Um, I have a DVD copy of it, and I put it on when my nephew was over you know he was probably like eight years old or something right on time as i said previously uh, that's right and uh at that point that was the first romero zombie movie i had seen um maybe even the first romero movie i had seen so a lot of his movies they don't uh they don't really appeal to my sensibilities just like in what they're what they seem to be about i hadn't heard about martin at the time because that's totally my thing but besides that like uh creep show all the zombie movies i'm not big into zombie movies and um i had had monkey shines i had never jumped in on the romero train so this was it i just happened to have the dvd i I put it in not even knowing if it was the 1990 or the 68 one i wasn't sure and then I, i realized uh because it was in black and white and um you know, my relationship with Night of the Living Dead prior to that was just that I had heard that it's a, a big touchstone movie. Um, but the reason I asked Corey what iconic scenes he felt familiar with was because um, in watching it and even now in reflecting on Night of the Living Dead, I, I feel like it's a movie that is often mentioned, you know, just by title and like concept that it's one of the first zombie movies. But besides that, I think in terms of classic horror movies, it it gets specifically referenced very little, you know, like Psycho, Psycho has the shower scene, Uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, like has Leatherface swinging the chainsaw um, in the and it has like the 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 butcher stuff in that house. Halloween has uh, Michael Myers sitting up and and uh, et cetera, et cetera. But I, I felt like I didn't really know anything about Night of the Living Dead besides the the zombies. And so in watching it, it felt um, it felt dated in concept because you know we grew up in the zombie generation where this stuff was everywhere. But I did find that uh, just the storytelling of it, what it was about, all felt fresh to me. I didn't even know that it all took place in one house. I didn't know that Ben uh, gets shot at the end. Um, so I, I just thought it was a really enjoyable story, um, if a bit... Um, I, I guess I would say dated just because of where we've gone since then. But but it's also very progressive, you know, because it has a, a black lead and a female lead. And um, it ends with basically everyone dying. And it has a it has a, a young kid killing their mother with a, a shovel or something like that. Some sort of stabbing instrument like that stuff that I didn't expect from 1968. So I I really enjoyed Night of the Living Dead, but like Mitch, it didn't make a huge impression on me. And I think that just might be because it it never felt like it had any of those iconic moments that I remember other classic horror movies for, even when I watched them for the first time. It just felt like in concept, it is it's really strong and the execution is is also strong, but it doesn't have that extra thing. Um, Yeah. And so going into this one, I thought I, I figured it would just be a, a pretty much one to one remake because I, I know that Tom Savini is affiliated with George Romero. And I know that that first movie has uh, copyright problems, which is why in, you know, uh, like one out of 10 horror movies you watch, someone in the movie is going to be watching Night of the Living Dead. It's, it's become a cliche at this point because it's one of the only horror movies that 
you can put in a movie no problem um to show it's, that your characters are into horror it also kind of gets aped enough that these guys have a lot of writing credits on movies they had nothing to do with yeah. right yeah <laughs> like, because they legally have to because they're aping the movie that hard yes yeah. yes and and that's why that original one is so iconic you know um and so i, I just figured that this would sort of be like me revisiting the original Night of the Living Dead by way of this slightly updated version. Um, so I, was, I wasn't going into it thinking like I do when I see other horror remakes like Nightmare on Elm Street. You know, I, I go in thinking, how are they going to do the Freddy coming out of the wall or the hand coming out of the bathtub? Like that stuff's not in my mind. It's just, how are they going to do zombies attacking a house? And um, I thought that, the way they did it was uh really enjoyable i think it's like a, just a pretty it's one of those movies that i from this point on i would like to have it on when i'm just like cleaning the house or something because i just think it's a, a cozy movie that it all takes place in this one house which i love i like most of the cast some people there uh got on my nerves either at the beginning of the movie and then i grew to like them like barbara um I ended up liking her, but at the beginning, I wasn't too sure. Um, I love Tony Todd all the way through. I like uh, our boy from Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer who plays uh, Cooper. I assume that's who he's playing. I think that's who he plays. Yeah. I, I couldn't stand the, the Judy Rose, like whoever she is, like that performance. I thought that that was insufferable. Um, her name is Katie Finneran. Yeah, I did not like her performance at all. She just is there to like scream and be like, uh, kind of like an, the annoying screaming blonde trope, like the Temple of Doom. The one that really got on my nerves was uh, Tommy. Um, I thought in some scenes uh, he just he wasn't quite pulling it off. And I thought there were actually moments like that with the Cooper character, even though I liked the actor in general. In some of the scenes, it kind of seemed like the actor was trying to hold back laughter or something. And I don't think it was a character choice. Um, yeah. It is so, kind of a ham on rye performance, like the way yes. his eyes are bulging out. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, so I, I sort of oscillated it with some of these performances, but I thought Tony Todd was great the the entire way through. And my favorite scenes um, in both movies, the original and this one, is just when he's like monologuing. Uh, telling a story or when he's directing uh other people to you know get a hold on things or when he's fighting zombies uh there's just some amazing stuff there um and all in all i just i thought it was a, a really enjoyable watch i like what they did with the barbara character because um in that original i remembered that she is much more uh meek she stays in that shocked state for longer than this barbara does and so you don't get her um taking hold of things uh the way that this sort of um uh who, who is the lady in terminator uh sarah connor yeah sarah connor she's kind of got a sarah connor thing in this movie that i don't think she has in that original movie and i thought that was a nice little flavor um and uh I, I i like the i like most of the ending i think there's some there's some cool stuff in there that we can talk about but also some really strange stuff where i think it gets a bit too ham-fisted uh faux philosophical it's, it's kind of doing the diary of the dead thing. yeah yeah right at yeah. the end it definitely does whereas i think in the original night of the living dead which i actually i just watched today because i, I watched uh 
1990 last night, and then I woke up today, um, and before I watched the 1991... Thank God for that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you never can never be too sure, man. Um, I was worried because uh, I, when I watched the 1991, I meant to either preface it or watch... Um, George Romero is right after I was going to do a double feature in one day and uh, the day just got away from me. I did some other stuff. And uh, by the time I finished Tom Savini's version, it was late at night. So I went to bed and I thought that would be it. And then I woke up this morning and I thought, holy shit, I'm still alive. I have a chance. And uh, <laughs> today I is just, a new day. I really I just really felt like watching the original movie. I didn't feel like I had to for this one. I didn't I don't think it'll bring all that much to the discussion. Whereas sometimes I think if I watch both of them, um, I'll have a, a nice frame of reference. Um, I, I really felt like the original is pretty much uh, the same as this remake. So I didn't think I needed to, but I just, I really, I really wanted to watch it. And so I put it on and um, I I think that uh, the, the, the commentary in that one is stronger, like the social commentary, because they do a lot of cool stuff with radio and TV broadcasts that are woven throughout the movie. And this, this movie does a bit of that but it's it's in there a bit less and uh the endings differ um yeah. and i and i think where the ending goes in tom savini's version is a bit a bit too on the nose and uh, i think you're totally on the money there i also yeah. think that the original uh if memory serves is like much more i think politically impactful because it came out in 68 and like you know we talked about like the the main character being black and the, the other co-star being a woman and i think that i think that it has more to say uh about like race in like the relationships with the people in the house so it's sort of more interesting and more um important than i think the 1991 or for some reason it seems like that isn't as or if memory in my memory it doesn't seem like that is as much of like a uh, like a significant point in in the 1990 as it is in the one from the 60s yeah, yeah, I, I totally yeah. think so, and I think that's just uh, that's just a reflection of the time, sort of. Yeah, I mean, the civil rights movement and, and yeah. all that. In yeah, I, th I think they they did about as as good as they could have, and they still kind of put some stuff about the human condition in this 1991. But it it just came at a different time, and so uh, some of those the themes or the subtleties in that original one uh, aren't communicated the same way, just because it. it I don't think it can be uh, because of when it came out. But Corey, we ought to hear how you how you think about this. Um, I think based on what everyone else has said that I probably like this the most. Um, I really liked it. Um, while being able to recognize the shortcomings of it, I think that for me, what it kind of came down to was. I think it does a really good job with really stale material um, because as we've said already, this is not this concept's first rodeo or even it's fucking 20th rodeo. Like we've been here before um, and I just found that I enjoyed the process of watching, um, you know, the breakdown of a group in exceptional circumstances with these particular characters. I think some of the heightened, aspects of the reactions elevated it for me more rather than you know making it seem less um tangible or like real i think it kind of helped that it was a little bit um i don't want to use the word silly necessarily uh but 
more heightened like with that fucking fucking henry's eyes just like bugging out of his head and he's just very upset and just really does not want to be there um i also think that given the responsibility of remaking a movie that's black and white in color uh that the movie looks pretty good (laughs) um about as good as it can um I know I that. I don't know if I agree with that. I think it kind of looks like rubbish, but keep going. <laughs> yeah. Okay. You're allowed. Um, yeah. I think that it's less in terms of the actual direct palette of the choices, but I do like some of what they're doing with the camera. Mostly earlier in the movie, there are some fun shots where Ben and Barbara are getting acquainted in the house, kind of, and um right before ben goes to like monologue in front of the fireplace and they're setting stuff up there's a good um i just like how it's framed there's a nice little rack focus between the two of them as they're talking and um the camera's sort of moving between them in a fun way there's a few things like that where i just felt like hey we've got somebody sending the alarm we've got filmmaking happening um <laughs> <laughs> but i yeah i don't know i think what it just comes down to is uh i don't think the commentary really lands as we've said but i think the process of watching the movie I enjoyed and it sounds like I enjoyed the performances the most, which probably helps quite a bit. Yeah. Cause I don't think, I don't think there's anybody that I drop and here's the part where I'm going to argue with Roger Ebert. Um, because I read his review. He gave it one star out Ooh. of four. Ooh. That's brutal. Yeah. He's not a fan. Um, I need to find the specific line. So at the end of a paragraph about, um, tom Tal's performance where every time ben and henry are arguing they just sort of scream at each other and they're angry what he says is but here like all of the other actors he is wasted on a film that confuses screaming with emotion i don't think that is what's happening here um that's fair i think there has to be a degree of latitude given to characters in movies that are specifically built around exceptional circumstances to act in ways that are annoying, frustrating, irrational, or just sort of loud. Because how do you expect people to be reacting in these sort of circumstances? And it's difficult to be prescriptive in saying, oh, a person would do like this thing, this thing, this thing, and it should feel this way. Because guess what? None of us have ever fucking been in these circumstances. So I think for me to get a group of people in there who several of them, or at the very least, I should say there is really strong tension between two or three of them. I think it's clear that Ben and Barbara don't like Henry and the feeling is mutual. Um, What the fuck else do we think would happen other than a lot of just loud, stupid arguing because everybody is stressed and upset. Um, And I thought it was fine. Like, I thought it was a perfectly reasonable thing to have the actors do. And again, I think the slight heightened nature of it feels correct for a remake that's not taking itself quite as seriously because people will know what it is going into it. People will understand that it is a remake of a classic film and therefore it doesn't feel as burdened by needing to do it 100% nailed a second time uh Mm. so it's essentially almost taking liberties with tone slightly in that and i like it 
I don't know if I'm like the issue with me is that I'm not sold on any of the performances in this movie really. Um, and I think that's, I think within that context, like Ebert's, Ebert's remark kind of makes sense because I just, I didn't really buy any of the performances. I feel like they're all a bit stilted and not necessarily where I think they should be to be like really effective. And I think also like the, like the writing and the motivations is kind of, um, like sloppy so it doesn't it didn't really I mean they're the same as they were before. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but yeah, but even so I uh like I, it didn't it didn't really uh land for me in a lot of ways and I found the the performances kind of took me out and I I didn't really buy into like into the relationship or or um that these people have or or their motivations. It didn't it didn't work for me. Um That's fine. But, you know, to each their own. Yeah, I think I think it works. I think um even the most heightened, which I think is probably any time uh Tommy and Judy Rose have to talk to each other. <laughs> yeah. And they just sort of yell at each other. I was so happy when their car went up in flames. Um, but I like Tommy quite a bit, actually. I like that dude. Oh, he's like um, the only like nice guy there. <laughs> yeah, he's just a he's just a nice dude who wants to help and f- seems a little stressed. Yeah, although um, I think he I think he uh, he'd be better <laughs> off without Judy Rose. I don't, I don't know. Um, I thought she was okay. I I, I can didn't see like why some of it's a bit much for sure. I will say though, um, I I don't know if I've seen a Tony Todd movie before. Tony Todd fucking rules. <laughs> Holy shit. That dude is effortless. It's it's great. I would love to see him in a effortless better Effortless in what way? <laughs> effortlessly good. Okay. Like, yeah. Like it's <laughs> he's effortlessly. <laughs> <laughs> no, I really 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 like Tony Todd. Um, okay. Uh and like Liam was saying earlier, like the parts where he just gets to sort of monologue, I enjoy. Um quite a bit and then i also think that patricia tallman is good um it does feel a bit i almost i almost don't know if i like the the sarah connor here quite as much because it does feel a bit i think i read this um in a review somewhere too where somebody was like it's a bit just oh they just like turned it into a more classically structured final girl situation and it's like yeah they kind of I don't. I don't agree with that though, because she's supposed to be a final girl, and she looks like one with well, her, her lean figure and her define, well-defined, define intelligent face. To, but because she does so much stupid <laughs> shit, like, and I don't think. I think that like her sort of transition from like meek and like fearful to like mentally unstable and like everything in between, and eventual sort of like succession into like complete loss of humanity. I think. I think it's all like it doesn't work for me in the performance. I think like her, her shock sort of wide eyed, like oh, I can't talk. Nee, 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 doesn't do it for me. And, and neither does like her maniacal, like I'm having fun killing zombies now. Like I, I didn't, do I don't think me. she was ever having fun. I think she has fun. I didn't fun I didn't read it as that at all. <laughs> well, she, no, she just didn't fucking like that guy. <laughs> yeah. Well, I feel like in the end, there's kind of like the implication that she's like, nah, this is fun. She even says that. Yeah, to fucking pass by the weird, creepy dudes. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Maybe we're looking into this movie too much, but no, but I don't, no, dude. That's the whole point of a podcast. First of all, is doing this, but yeah, no, I, I just, I guess we're just reading it differently. <laughs> yeah, because um, I interpreted that as I think a obviously she's sort of off put by 
the whole state of the ending what with the fucking fight pit and the strung up corpses they're shooting which is a um, gross waste of ammo i mean like when the pandemic happened like there was ammo shortages like everywhere you couldn't find hollow point and at walmart in the u.s you couldn't find it at a gas uh, station okay. but i mean <laughs> i mean like now well, not that i really know anything about that but i mean like i feel like in that circumstance <laughs> what a, what a gross waste of ammunition yeah i mean i i interpreted all of that as her not especially wanting to be there because she sees them earlier on and they're like what the fuck are you even doing out here and she's just like okay these guys are creepy and weird um and then sort of the recognition that oh everybody's that left is just like a fucking society of these dudes yeah Uh-oh, that's, that's why i said the gun-toting republicans are worse than the hordes of the undead but i don't think that's i don't know if that's the argument the movie's making <laughs> no it's not but that's what i wrote that. down <laughs> yeah no and i think that's fine but yeah i think um I I yeah I just I don't know I, I just read the ending differently but let's backtrack a bit go back yeah. to the house sure we, we've glossed over the bulk of the movie but um we sure have I guess Liam uh you can find a jumping point wherever you want in there or I was guess I was wondering like uh was there any other aspect of the movie that sort of jumped out at you be it positive or negative um yeah uh there were some scenes that I really was feeling the tension, uh, despite it being stuff that you've seen before in other movies or that you could expect to see, you know, standard stuff like um, they spend a chunk of the movie nailing doors to the windows to keep the zombies out. And of course, I, I was saying to Brianna as we were watching, I, th- I said, hey, you know, that's a pretty good plan. Like that would actually that would actually work and then they can just be chill and hang out in the house. But uh, clearly the zombies must get through because there's like an hour of the movie left. But that seems that seems like a pretty solid uh, uh, we've defeated the zombies, but the doors to the windows. Uh, but of course, the zombies eventually they, they bust through the doors. And I really love the scene where the whole group, which we have just established, doesn't work well together in a, a previous scene that I loved when Cooper and his family reveal themselves. And uh, Ben is saying, oh, you guys were here the whole time. You guys have to help us. And Cooper doesn't want to help. And Ben is scolding all of them. I loved that whole meeting scene. I thought in, in that scene, the acting uh, was great from from all of them with Tony Todd being the centerpiece and I I just loved all that um clashing of personalities there and I thought okay now uh this movie is is in a really good place to to keep up its momentum for the next hour because regardless of if the zombies break through the doors I'm pretty sure they are but even if they don't break through the doors all these people now they they have conflicting ideas about what's going on and and the house has become divided with some of them wanting to make the basement a communal place and some of them wanting to just lock themselves down there and leave the others so I love that the little house becomes a a microcosm of the bigger world. And so I know that all these characters uh, don't really like each other. And so when the zombies start breaking through the doors and there's, there's one door on one side that they're breaking through another door on the other side. And they're just, all these people are scrambling to hold the door, but then Cooper doesn't want to participate. And then uh, eventually um, when his daughter comes back and, uh, uh, ben is telling him to shoot the daughter, but he won't do it. Like I just, I loved all those little scenes of if we could just work together, then I think we'd be in a much better place. But they're not able to do that, and I thought that that was really uh, 
relatable. I mean, it's one of those things that just never stops being relevant. But I was thinking of it through uh, the the place that we're in right now with the coronavirus and uh, needing vaccines and uh, needing to just like and a bunch s- of selfish pricks not doing the one thing they could do to help everybody. Yeah, yeah. So that that's that's what I, that's what I was thinking, and I thought about that when they were giving the news reports too about how they ju- they're just. Uh, giving instructions and they're saying we don't know how this happened but it's happening really quick and so we've just got to do this i love when the news guy laughs like he gets handed a new sheet of paper and he tries to read it just like outer space (laughs) ha 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 yeah like i it's good yeah so i i um i guess despite this movie not having the the weight that a movie like this would have in 1968 um watching it 20 some years after it released i thought a lot of that stuff still held very true and maybe maybe uh was even more uh poignant than it would have been in 1990 i'm not sure exactly what was going on in the world in 1990 but i know watching it in 2021 i was like my gosh here they are on the news just saying that uh this has happened and we, and we need to do he just this said covid19 how did they know <laughs> and and but then over the course of one just one night they're still not able to make it and uh um so yeah that was that was some of the stuff i really liked uh, also, like, i got a question if you were in this scenario how would you do it differently if i was in this house i would destroy me, the we... staircase and stay upstairs did you have do you have food upstairs well, I mean, just bring it upstairs. Like, bring the fridge upstairs. Do well, you didn't you say do. that part. Fill the bathtub with some. But water. then, what do you do? What yeah. do you do when you're in the house with a person like Cooper that doesn't want you to destroy the staircase and bring all yeah. the food upstairs? You're just assuming this would work. I would say I would just like I don't know. I'd be like, you can have your basement, man. I'm staying upstairs. That's how he survives. You're assuming yet. people are going to let you destroy the staircase, though. Yeah, but I feel like I feel like you know if they're gonna let you, uh, you know, destroy like other shit and like put all the doors on the on the window and board it up, they'd probably let you do that. The zombies I... can't get up there. There's gravity. <laughs> Eventually, they're gonna figure that out too, Mitch. Yeah. Uh, no, I know. I know what, what you mean. I think that's I, all a... I know for sure is that if an angry stranger yelled at me and called me a yo-yo, I would just break down in tears. <laughs> <laughs> Noted. I'm writing that one down. <laughs> you bunch of yo-yo. <laughs> You're gonna die up there, you bunch of yo-yos. Man, honestly, yeah. I think I think if I were in this situation, um, I like that idea, Mitch, destroying the stairs. Uh, what but are you I think... talking about? That's <laughs> well, it, yeah. it... what you go in the basement, Corey. You're assuming this group of people that you're with is just going to let you do no. that? <laughs> no, no, no. I was just gonna say, uh, I like the idea of destroying the stairs in concept. But if you're in the house with these other people, they're not gonna let you do that. It's, I mean, we see it in the movie. It's just they some want to stay in the basement, and the others won't let them do that. And so, I don't think you'd be able to do the stair thing. So, what I would do, what and what I was thinking as I was watching the movie was, I would just, I would book it from that house. I would not be there. Yeah, Barbara's I'm, absolutely right. By the way, she's like, oh, there's slow we could just leave yeah i okay, i've got a good stride like you guys um i can't do much in this world but i can run really really fast i'll show you guys sometime <laughs> um 
<laughs> and I, I, I would totally be good running past those dudes. And of course, you know, they're everywhere. They're going to keep coming. But I really think I would be able to gain enough, uh, enough of a gap on them that I would be able to figure out my next move. And you of course, find a boat. If you could find a boat, you'd be set. Yeah, yeah. And they work so slowly that I'd catch my breath, and then when they get close, I'd, I'd run it again. And eventually, I think I'd find something. I just would not stay at that house. That's where I'm at. Yeah. Are, are any of you guys like I'm like I know Liam said he's not really a zombie movie guy like neither of me am I but um, I'm kind of exhausted of, of zombies but nevertheless well, like I, I found this one like fun enough you know yeah I I do want to say too I just um <laughs> I have two I have two things about Tony Todd one I love that he is Kickmaster. Oh, the scene where he's just the scene he does where he's a just lot annihilating him. He just no, he's well, doing like, judo across, in multiple scenes. He does a lot of kicking and he's throwing them at each other. Yeah, yeah. Oh, like the the rolling and the throwing is also good, but the oh, kicking I like that yeah. whole um, sequence where he's running back to the house and beating them up with his bare fists and all these different moves. That might be my favorite scene in the movie. Yeah, that was hardcore. just like that was the stuff that I love '80s horror movies for. Was it's just oh my god, that's the Night of the Living Dead movie where he beats them all. Where up Tony with Todd his fists. beats the shit out of zombies. It, I think it it has a leg up on the original just because um, of that. But I also like. Um, Earlier on, when they're getting set up, Tony Todd does a lot of just talking because Barbara's not talking. So he's just filling space. And um, he talks gradually about, like, nobody knows what happened. Nobody knows what's going on. We have to do this. But then it just sort of continues toward being, like, um, not trusting answers that they're getting from the government or the system and being concerned about people using it as an excuse to put violence onto other people. And just listening to him have that speech while... Uh, Barbara is sort of intercut with like trying to get that dude's hand out of the way um, and over to where the body is because it fell from upstairs. Uh, I really liked that, just hearing him gradually just sort of um, vent, essentially, while they were getting set up. I think he brings a lot of good energy to that. Um, but also, um, there is... I also like the examples that we get of just like empathy in the movie even if it's sort of misguided like before he brings tommy upstairs to try to get uh wood from those shitty new cabinets that he punches a hole through he covers his cousin's body up with like a sheet so he doesn't have to see it and there's a few instances of that too where i'm just like oh these are nice people and then there's also some cool synth music while a bunch of zombies are beat up with a torch on a porch which I'm mm-hmm. into. Oh, I gotta talk the, about that. The music at the ending too rules. The music or, or in this driving the truck. Shit, yeah, this movie fucking this movie's yeah. got good ass music. Yeah, yeah, both yeah. movies. I I was really surprised. I I did not remember Night of the Living Dead being a soundtrack movie, and uh, I really liked the music in this one. I I loved the intensity and the classic feel of it. And then when I went back and watched the original, there's some stuff in there that the music is just so like unsettling and stressful that we had to turn it down at some point because it was just like getting into our bones um and back to the the torching on the the torch on the porch as you said Corey. there is an amazing <laughs> amazing moment where um tony todd ben he has uh you know a, a big stick thing lit on fire and uh he hits a zombie with it the zombie gets lit on fire great practical effects so cool i also read uh that in the original the the co-screenwriter with george romero um did one of the fire stunts just because they had no one else to do it, which is just so badass. <laughs> anyway, um, in this one, uh, uh, Ben, Tony Todd, uh, ignites a zombie with uh, with a torch, pushes the zombie off the porch, and as the zombie is falling, 
um I think the zombie hits a bit of the house or maybe his torch hits a bit of the house. Anyway, the side of the house quickly gets a patch of flame on it and and starts to burn very quickly. And Tony Todd just like slaps the fire out and then there's a big burn mark on the side of the house. And I just thought that was such a badass realistic moment that like you can't plan that sort of thing. It calls back to... uh, my one of my favorite scenes and one of my favorite movies the original pet cemetery there's an amazing scene where the dad in the family gets startled out of bed he gets awoken as happens in so many other movies but instead of him just opening his eyes wide and being startled he rolls out of the bed and in this like wide shot you get him rolling out of the bed and his head smacks the corner of his nightstand so hard just slams it and i still to this day have no idea if that moment was planned or if it just happened by accident and they kept it in i have no idea how they would have done it as an effect um and i but i also have no idea how it would have been planned and he would have been like yeah i'll smack my head because there's like no there's no sign of hesitation or like wincing before the moment. It just happens. And that's what I thought about this moment was it's just such a cool real life in the moment sort of thing that reminded me, man, there was a time when like that shot was actually being filmed by real people and that just happened. And uh, I, I loved that moment. Another thing that I really like about this is um, sort of the costume and the zombie design, like how how they put together groups of people that would oh. improbably be together with like the undead like you've got like a uh airplane pilot and like a a zombie with a needle still sticking out of its arm like like walking around like i think the the zombies themselves are pretty well designed the first zombie that tries to break into the house at night looks an awful lot like jim jarmusch and i had to take like a double take (laughs) it's not i checked but um he's still alive (laughs) yeah yeah there's uh it's it's but that in itself is kind of fun and and just sort of seeing all these groups of undead together that otherwise wouldn't be and uh the gore is pretty well done though like some of the prosthetics and like that like the limbs look pretty rubbery and and fake but i, I mean i think that's on purpose oh yeah it's probably like a throwback to <laughs> yeah. kind of where it's roots but um like all in all like that and the gore effects and the zombie design is is pretty well done um Oh, it's kind of hard to fuck up. I but, totally yeah. agree with you, Mitch. I think that's where this movie... <clears throat> uh, uh, getting choked up? <laughs> I think that's where this movie... Um, uh, what is the word? Like uh, Excels? Excels. Excels it, it, beyond the original as well. Um, just because uh, the effects are... I mean, I guess just by the fact of the times you know they've they've done this sort of stuff before and so they have a better grasp on it um i don't know how much having tom savini as the director helped i don't know if he had a hand in the in the effects and stuff but i just think in this one um it just feels like if you can feel the higher budget um in in the original it sort of does feel like you know these are just a bunch of friends that are kind of figuring it out as they go and some of the effects feel a bit more amateurish whereas this one I, I thought it felt more realistic. And even beyond that, I felt like it had a unique identity. Like I thought um, there were a number of zombies that f- looked really realistic to me. Like it looked like, okay, that is what someone would look like if they were decaying. But also um, they each have an identity uh, that 
And that's something that a lot of zombie movies, especially modern zombie movies, don't really have where the design feels like it is applied to each and every zombie so that they all just look like a big, scary, gory group and they're not super distinguishable from one or, or the other. But I thought in this one, um, they 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 even took a moment near the climax to like show what a number of these different zombies were doing. Like one of them was eating a rat and one of them is... Uh, holding a doll and i just thought every one of them uh looked uh like its own like special character and i think that that's something that george romero ended up growing into so maybe that's where tom savini uh figured it out because i've seen day of the dead since we did our diary of the dead episode and that movie also does it as well where a lot of those zombies you can like I imagine fans of that movie have their own favorite zombies from that movie because a lot of care is put into each of them as actors and characters. And so I really, really liked the effects in this one, though it wasn't as gory as I thought it would be with Tom Savini at the helm. I don't know if that was a conscious choice. I kind of appreciate the restraint. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I'm not a, um, I'm not a huge gore guy either. No, um, yeah, partially that, but also just like I don't know, I don't need this slathered in that bright red Romero blood. I'm good. Yeah, <laughs> like, I think the original gore in like the first one because it's black and white, like it looks so like clinical and shocking and and sort of dark contrast film stock. It it I don't know. There's something about black and white blood and gore that really messed me up. But this one, I'm glad that they sort of showed more restraints and also the scenes where they're feasting on a corpse are usually done in long shots where if you look at like dawn of the dead or something but like unspooling intestines it's it's much more graphic than this yeah yeah totally um but i think i think that was probably the right call for this movie was i think a so too yeah. and also like a lot of it's like um gun based which is just less likely to get really like up in your face bloody gross like mm-hmm. some distance stuff um <laughs> Yeah, there's the they were using a meat tenderizer as a hammer, uh, which was great, and that that made me laugh because when I make cocktails at my house, we don't have a Lewis bag and a mallet. We just use like a meat tenderizer and like a cloth to crush ice, or we slam it on the floor. I was because you were talking, I was like, I don't know what any of these tools would be used for. No, they use for cocktails, but we just use like a meat tenderizer to crush our ice. Hey, you want one of them zombie drinks? I got a meat tenderizer. There is a a cocktail called a zombie that's a 1934 recipe and it contains like five ounces of booze and it'll turn you into the undead. You put a single drop of Lucio Fulci's blood in it. I love, have you seen Zombie by (laughs) Lucio Fulci? Have have any of you seen that? No, I I just, I have, yeah. I love the music in that. It goes so hard. Yeah, I love man. that movie. It sounds movie. like a movie that should have music by Goblin. I don't know if it does. Uh, I don't think it's zombie, but it's got some incredible synth music. Uh, really quick, I just want to say, yeah, Romero, not one for subtlety. But, um, and yeah, the ending I feel weird about. Um, it, oh, yeah. and it's just I, like, I, It feels like such a stupid ramp up of society deteriorated instantly we have no humanity left what if we're the monsters or whatever she says she's like oh we're them and they're us yes yeah that was the line um which is and, to be fair a good line i like it but oh i don't it like on it the nose, I, yeah, yeah. I, don't, I don't like it at i like all. that it's better than we're the real monsters like i like that they tried to find a way to say it you know what i mean 
I guess. Like, yeah, they, sure. Yeah. They put effort into what yeah. the line was. But you have like an end of end of line at the end of the movie that just sort of su- like summates all your all your themes. Like I think it's always going to be Oh yeah, it's cheesy. not I'm not saying it's good. I'm saying it's, it's never better good. than it could have been. I think of like Cloud Atlas, which is like what is an ocean if not an infinite number of drops? Nobody has seen <laughs> oh, Cloud Atlas. Oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> You know, just stuff like that. Like, get out of here. What yeah. is an ocean if not four different versions of Tom Hanks talking to each other? <laughs> and uh, it, it just occurred to me as we're talking about this ending, I just remembered that Romero did write this. <laughs> I I, I uh, guess I had it in my mind that it was Savini, even though I knew it wasn't. And so I think maybe that's just indicative of like, uh, he's getting older and he wants to be a bit more direct with it like now he's past dawn of the dead uh day of the dead and now he's getting a bit closer to diary of the dead only 17 years later and so maybe that's just kind of where he was but my yeah my tastes don't line up with that i i prefer the subtler approach in the original um all around i prefer the ending of the original you know which you guys referred to um where ben makes it throughout the night but but then um when uh dawn breaks some dudes with guns show up and shoot him thinking that he's a zombie uh i i i definitely prefer that to this ending where um we have sarah connor surviving and finding the uh the dudes with guns are delightedly burning and shooting all these zombies and stuff um i uh I thought that was just a bit on the nose for me. I think it's totally plausible though, like in in a disaster setting, kind of with like the, you know, the heavily armed uh, establishment in, in like, you know, the States or something. I think it's totally plausible that you would have that kind of an outcome in a disaster setting. And and, and we've seen it. We've seen it in other movies too, right? We're like, that's the whole plot. But I think that uh, Night of the Living Dead, um, especially because this isn't setting up for a sequel, I think that it's a bit more effective when it is still contained. Yeah, it doesn't doesn't click great here. And I also think it's like, it, it almost shallows the fact that we're seeing empathy from ben and barbara earlier in the movie to then juxtapose them into a world was like what if nobody else had any at all like just feels stupid yeah i'm with you but overall pretty good i enjoyed it yeah i'd give it like a three three star rating is that out out of of four or five out out of five yeah, see, fair. based on how you talked about it, I, that's not the number I would have expected you to say. Well, like I enjoyed it, but I just had a lot of problems with it. Like I found myself, I, I thought it was like an effective movie, but I, I don't think it's like a great movie or a, even like a really good zombie movie. I think it's just like I think it's just like a, a solid entry in, in, into that sort of genre. In your memory, Mitch, what would you give the original? I'd probably give it a higher score, but again, it's been years. Fair, okay pick a number i'd probably give it like a four (laughs) there you go it gets it gets one star how about that uh cool um so i think we're gonna save the william castle film genero we're free for a week so next week we already know what we're watching we're gonna watch the craft legacy which is like the reboot of the craft uh, I thought it was about like the single slices, like it's like a biopic. The reboot of craft singles. <laughs> <laughs> I thought, I thought, I thought much like COVID, the c word was spelt with a K. <laughs> and um, 
our friend Jay Dickinson is going to come on, who Mitch has not had the pleasure of meeting, but uh, talk she, on Instagram. She immortalized us in our incredible new art, and we're going to have her back on. She uh, is a big craft head, and we're going to talk about the craft. And I think it would be fun to roll the genero when someone is here who does not have to watch it so we could just get an extra reaction. So how do you guys feel about doing it that way? Yeah, let's do it. Let's do that, it. That sounds great. And if we stumble upon something that she's interested in, then, oh my gosh, she's going to have to add herself to the, the podcast. She'll have to add herself to the art eventually. <laughs> this is how this is all going to go. Eventually and we have sometimes 20 Mitch and periodically Jade. <laughs> yeah, we're going to have to whip out the, we're going to have to whip out the thesaurus and eventually our cover art is just going to look like a Where's Waldo because we have so many people Honestly, on I kind of love that, but we'll have to see what happens. Um, Mitch... It's that time of the episode again. <laughs> what part of the episode, Corey? It's the one where I ask you if you have anything you'd like to plug. Ah. Mm. I don't know where he picked up the thing where he just claps his hands. I don't know why he's doing that I part think, of I it. I think that's a door slamming. It sounds like he's just sort of doing that. Hmm. No, I, I, don't, I don't hear it. That sounded very different. Liam, do you have anything you would like to plug? Yeah, you guys can check out my film writing, Alter Ego, Graham the Haunted Marshmallow, on Twitter and Letterboxd. My username is Graham the Mallow. You can find me on uh, Twitter at Mr. Corey Price. I'm on Letterboxd at Mr. Corey Price. And you can check out my other podcast, MK Podquest, that I do with a friend, Neil. We are gearing up to soon start Mortal Kombat Defenders of the Realm. If you want to hear us talk about that, I think that's starting in a week or two two we have a few things we're tying up with like books based on movies and movie books and all this stuff but mk podquest everywhere you want to find that and um as for this podcast the one that you just listened to i would like to thank you once again for listening to another episode of they made another one unless this is your first time in which i'd like to say thanks for listening for once for the first time and hopefully you will again and I'll tell you now, the outros are usually better than this. Uh, you can find us all over the internet on Twitter at They Made Another, which is all one word, and on Letterboxd at TMAO. You can find episodes on Anchor, Spotify, Apple and Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Breaker, and everywhere else as They Made Another One. You can reach us via email at tmaopodcast.gmail.com with recommendations for future episodes, questions, comments, and your thoughts about Mitch's hands. Our fantastic thumbnail art is done by our friend Jade Dickinson. You can find on Instagram at Jade Sketches and we'll hear from next week. And with that out of the way, we'll catch y'all here next time for the craft legacy. And they made another one.